0: This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in premium quality travel gear. With slim, stylish gear like the Taskin Edge Professional Laptop Backpack for business and travel, save 30% on your next purchase when you use promo code RNR. Take 30 at taskinsf.com. Next up, on an all-new Rick and Rick.
1: What grown-ups don't get about teens, tech, and social media.
0: Dos Sackis toasts its new six-foot-long social distancing cooler.
1: And some cringe-worthy commercials from the 80s and 90s that are staging a comeback.
0: Oh, man. Plus, celebrity secret Princess Bride fan film, loaded questions, and a whole lot more.
1: And it all starts right here, right now.
0: On the one show where nobody's a limp, Rick.
1: And everybody rules the world.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to an all new episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. I'm Rick Matheson and I am joined as always by my good pal, Zach Gillefinet. Oh, uh, I mean, Rick Wooten. How you doing, Rick Wooten? I'm,
1: I'm doing great. Good. I'm doing great.
0: Happy 4th of July. Rick.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's one of my, my favorite times of the year. I think number one is Halloween. Number two is 4th of July. You know, it's nothing better than, you know, watching fireworks uh, fly and barbecue. You know, I'm a big fan of the old barbecue. So, It's it's, it's a great time. Yeah.
0: Boy, I have so many good memories growing up with it. Did you have a regular like big, you know, fireworks display where you grew up?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I I grew up in the Monterey Bay area, Salinas, Monterey, and there was always one. For many years, it was uh, at the Rodeo Grounds. And if you're truly from Salinas, it's Rodeo, not Rodeo. So it was at the Rodeo Grounds. And then Monterey would always have a fantastic one. There were, when the kids were little, we used to, we used to go over there and I absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, you doing anything fun this weekend? I mean, it's a little tough right now to go yeah. do anything super fun, unfortunately. Hopefully next year will be a different story. But at least you get a couple of days to just kind of hang loose. And I do know people are taking some time off.
1: Yeah, you know, I, uh, I've been talking to a lot of the folks that I work with. And uh, they are going places, you know, yeah. they're, they're utilizing family cabins or campsites or whatever. Right. And, you know, everybody's just been, you know, cramped up for so long. They're just eager to get out and do something.
0: Something. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope they social distance bad enough right now with the sort of resurgence. We don't need it to get worse.
1: That's right. Yeah. I, I hope so too. I mean, the, these are the, the times of year where uh, we need to just be a little, little extra careful and
0: we'll figure this out. You know, if we're going to have to live with this for a while, we'll master this thing. Yeah. The other thing that we're gonna master is Radar Love, which is first up. And uh, finally, there's a reason to talk about Quibi. (laughs) <laughs> the new streaming platform that delivers these short 7 to 10 minute scripted and unscripted videos to your mobile phone. We've been wondering what the hell is the value proposition, who cares? But yeah. apparently they're doing this serialized version of the 1987 classic adventure comedy, The Princess Bride, reenacted by celebrities that are doing these short chapters on their own phones at home. Does that sound inconceivable? well it looks like these celebrities are having a great time storming the castle
1: you know i i thought this was great i don't know if you remember it was i don't know several years ago and all the writers were on strike and so a bunch of uh actors got together and kind of started doing these you know viral videos just for fun just to keep active And it feels like this is kind of one of those things where, you know, they're stuck. They can't, they can't really work because, you know, sets can't be set up and stuff like that. But you've got all kinds of great folks, like, you know, Hugh Jackman as an example. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Absolutely. And a bunch of other folks. And and each group is kind of taking segments of the Princess Bride and, and remaking it kind of on their phone and that sort of thing. And it is a hoot. It is absolutely a hoot where, you know, you've got all these, these different things kind of clipped together to make the whole thing. Thing. And it's it's a genius thing that Quibi is doing here. I mean, if they're yeah. the ones who initiated this, it's it's a great way to you know draw attention and just to be fun in the time where we need to laugh. And obviously, it doesn't replace the original, but uh, if if you're gonna you know if you're gonna have somebody kind of um, pay homage to it, this is a fantastic way to do
0: it. It's it is really fun. So kudos to Quibi. What else is interesting? Kind of speaking of media, but for a different age, this was amazing. So MIT Technology Review posed this question to teens as part of this essay contest open to kids 18 and under you know what do adults not know about my generation and technology and they had a truckload of submissions uh, almost 400 from kids in 28 different countries but the winner i had to like wait really this is from an 18 year old just high school senior taylor fang in logan utah that essay pretty damn impressive
1: yeah i thought this was great i think i think it really captured it and you know again you know with my my kids being younger you know it was interesting to to kind of listen to them growing up and then to read this article and see see if you agree to this the way they were t- talking about things like social media and technology was how we talked about music yeah. it defined us it you know it 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 kind of put the edges around who we were as a person it you know it, it communicated how we felt you know who we were going to become and and to the kids these days that's how they see you know, these, this technology and particularly social media is, is that, I mean, uh, I thought it was interesting how uh, one of the the kids was talking about how, you know, effectively their social media was their resume, was their life story, it was their biography. Uh, And I thought that was a really, really powerful uh, conversation.
0: I mean, all of it rang true. You know, we think sometimes as parents, oh, they're just burying their face in the social media area. oh, you guys take Instagram too seriously. or But this resonated because Taylor is talking about how it's them really kind of figuring themselves out. It's right. expressing themselves and it's also kind of exploring the world and uh, you mentioned music. I think that was the way we expressed ourselves and tried to figure out what we liked and early video and, and stuff like that. And they have a great outlet for doing it. It's just obviously it is on a worldwide stage. We as parents have to make sure that they're being smart about it. I thought it was extremely well-written, so props to your 17-year or 18-year-old Taylor Fang of Logan, Utah. It was great. All right, when we come back from this break, it is time for the good, the bad, and the marketing, including those cringeworthy ads from the 80s and 90s. So, People of a certain age are definitely going to want to tune in. Hell, everybody <laughs> wants to tune in, so stay, stay where you are. Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one <laughs> click at rickandrick.com. All right, welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World. It's time for the good, the bad, and the marketing and cringeworthy ads from the 1980s and 1990s. This was a blast from the past, Rick. The one that cracked me up literally had fallen out of my brain until I saw it again. I always used to crack up as a you do two tough 2,000 fleshes last four times as long.
1: That's right, oh my god, <laughs> I love there, that there, there, there was so many, somebody in here that just kind of cracked me up. I, what I had forgotten, and and it's just because it's been so long, is how many commercials we used to see around uh, basically soundtrack compilations yes. of, you know, here's all the 1950s hits, here's all the 1970s hits, or you know, Let, let's do pop jazz, I mean, it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe how many of these were.
0: So popular, and it's like, your check to you know yeah and you'll get eight cassette tapes or you know six cds it was like expect four to six weeks delivery there was no itunes for instant gratification that's Pretty right funny.
1: well how about how about all the 800 numbers right we don't have any 800 numbers anymore but yeah. every single one of those commercials had an 800 number especially the local businesses oh my god those were hilarious yeah. like they were so I hate to say low quality, but they were really low quality. You know, you always hear about the green screen or the blue screen or whatever. Like there were so many commercials in here where it wasn't like they used the blue screen or the green screen to like put something else in the background. The blue screen was their background. The background, yes. (laughs) So it was like a blue screen with text on it. It was like, oh my God, that's so bad. Like, that's hard to read. It's like, there's nothing good about that.
0: Yeah, it it was crazy.
1: Well, you know, so so here was my take. In the 70s, every commercial was trying to be funny and it was corny.
0: Also, you can see the first instances of what became the dumb dad, you know, stereotype in everything. Yes,
1: Yes. in the 90s, they tried to be cool, right? And so the whole idea of all the 90s commercials that I watched was, you know, it was the smart thing. It was the cool thing. Then when you get to 2000s, you know, and, and, and maybe in the 90s, as well as well towards the end it became almost like an art piece they were trying to make it so sophisticated so amazing so different and so there was like you know a, a lot of effort into that and so the quality was higher you can tell they spent more money and then you get to the 2000s and 2000s became super practical and people yeah. were doing ads to like tell their story and to get to the point and they weren't trying to be silly and they weren't trying to be super you know artsy they were just trying to make sure that people got their message and then you get to today and all of a sudden, it's got political. It's interesting to kind of diagnose how these things have changed over time and how the the media has impacted it and how people have changed.
0: Doseki's thing. I saw this in Travel and Leisure. So, not that we would recommend that you hit the beach this 4th of July, but in case you do, you've got some kind of responsible outing planned. Doseki's is toasting this limited edition six foot long social distancing ice cooler so that when you and your buddy are carrying your drinks down to the beach, you are six feet apart. Now, I don't know how drinking beer through your face mask is going to work. I don't know. But at any rate, I thought this was fun. And I guess it was a limited edition. And I think you were able to win it. I don't think you paid for it. I think there was some kind of um, yeah. offer for X number of units.
1: That was yeah, pretty funny, I, though. I Unfortunately, I missed it. Uh, it, was, it was on uh, June 26th. And- yeah. Uh, what you had to do is you had to buy, of course, some Dosekis and you sent them a copy of your receipt, but you had to do it on that day. And then I think they chose some people at random and gave away how many of our units they had. But, you know, it was pretty clever. I, I liked it. It was, a, it was a great way again to draw attention to the brand and at the same time show their support for, you know, the social distancing.
0: Yeah. I thought this was smart and one of those things where they're getting more mileage out of this story and, and articles about it than they need to worry about media placement or anything. So good going. Dosekis. We'll drink to that. The other thing that we're going to drink to is loaded questions, which is coming up right after this break. In fact, we might indeed be drinking during loaded questions. I'm not sure, so stay tuned. This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in premium quality travel gear. With slim, stylish gear like the Taskin Edge Professional Laptop Backpack for business and travel, save 30% on your next purchase when you use promo code RNR. Take 30 at taskinsf.com. All right, welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World and it is time for Loaded questions. I'm ready. All right. Question one. An upcoming $70 million science fiction movie will feature which of the following in its lead role? A, an eerily lifelike AI robot named Ava. B, an eerily lifelike AI robot named Erica. C, an eerily lifelike AI robot named Elsa. Or D, an eerily lifelike AI robot named Mitch McConnell. Which of these (laughs) will star in a new sci-fi thriller?
1: Uh, I don't think it was Elsa, so I'm gonna guess Ava.
0: Close, yeah, you know why? I know why you picked it, because Ava was the name of the character in Ex Machina. Uh, Yeah. But no, the answer is B. According to IndieWires, there is a new sci-fi thriller called B. It's being touted as the first movie in history to be led by an actor who is an AI robot that is not Tom Cruise. (laughs) just kidding. But uh, but it is the first to star an AI robot called Erica. So this will literally be a robot. It won't be someone playing the robot. And the plot sounds kind of cool. According to the pub, B, and it's literally just the letter B, and it's the lowercase letter B, follows a scientist who must help an AI robot he created reach freedom after a program he designed to perfect human DNA has dangerous consequences. Now, to put more succinctly, I think the log line could have been, life's a B and then you die. (laughs) <laughs> okay, question number two. In search engine optimization, the acronym LSI stands for A, latent search indexing, B, link structure indexing, C, latent semantic indexing, or D, Lance Lot Link Secret Chimp. In search engine (laughs) optimization, LSI stands for what?
1: I I really wanted to be Lancelot. That was awesome. Uh, I think it's latent semantic indexing.
0: You are correct. According to HubSpot's marketing blog, LSI stands for latent semantic indexing, which helps search crawlers understand the differences between synonyms and semantic changes. Marketers can and should use LSI keywords to help add context to pages in order to provide better search results. So if you're an e-commerce site that's selling silly string, you don't want Your content to be ranked based solely on the word silly. Well, marketers use these LSI keywords to help let search engines know for which searches it should serve up your content. So, as a site called beginnersbook.com says, if a blog post has words like fruit, taste, and flavor, it's easier for the search engine to determine that that's an article about Apple the fruit versus Apple the company. So, uh, the more you know,
1: SEO is interesting. We've talked about this many times, but it's probably the one area where companies don't spend enough of their effort. Right they They probably get just as much business, if not more, from SEO, as they do from paid advertising. for sure. And it's It's just something they they really need to focus on.
0: Absolutely. All right. Question number three, last question. It is what it is is a viral meme that features which three emoji. A, the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, monkey emojis. B, the masked face, and then a poop and then a masked face emoji. C, the eye-mouth-eye emojis, or D, a poop emoji bookmarked by two Mitch McConnells. The it is what it is meme featured which of these three emoji?
1: I'm going to go with C.
0: You are correct. A mouth emoji and an eyeball emoji on either side. So according to Business Insider, what started as a meme among a small group of friends soon had Silicon Valley VCs racing to find out more about what they believed to be a mysterious invite-only social media application. They started it among their friends, and within a week, the friends had set up a It Is What It Is website. And literally, people thought that they were signing up for some kind of special new social media platform. They got 50,000 email signups, and when they realized that this was taking off, they decided to put it to good use, and they used it to raise $200,000 in donations wow. that they put toward racial justice charities. And the whole thing was to point out that Silicon Valley VC or Silicon Valley in general, tech people uh, get obsessed about you know exclusive and elite and the next new thing that they've got to get in on, and also. ignore ignore a lot of things that are happening with real people. And so they decided to use this as a way to say, hey, we're just playing here. There isn't any special new platform, but since we got your attention, help us help these causes and to worked spectacularly well.
1: That's fantastic.
0: I thought that was pretty cool. All right. Well I think that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World. Be sure to join us online at rickandrick.com where you'll find archived episodes of the show. You'll also find links to each of our individual social media channels, Rick Matheson and Rick Rudin. And when you check us out there, be sure to follow us at Rick and Rick Rule at twitter and on facebook and of course be sure to come back for the one show where everybody's name is rick
1: and everybody rules the world